Creative Babble. So I have a very different episode for you today. I'm joined by my friend Moxie from Your Brain on Facts podcast to talk about our favorite scams. It's going to be a very lighthearted episode. It's good to have something light every now and then. But don't worry, I'm working on some new episodes that are going to blow your mind. I mean, seriously crazy stuff. Well, anyways, let's get on with the show. Hello, my beautiful brainiacs. We have a very special Your Brain on Facts for you today. I actually have a live recorded guest for the very first time in a hundred and almost almost 180 episodes. I'm actually going to be talking to someone in the moment. Crazy, I know. And what's even crazier is this is one of my, the host of one of my favorite shows, not a word of a lie, someone I was really hoping to get to work with eventually and eventually is now. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome from Pretend and Criminal Conduct, Javier Leva. Yay, this is me. I'm Javier Leva. And for, for those of you listening to this on my feed, the voice you're listening to, it is not Delilah, is Moxie Labouche from Your Brain on Facts, which is an amazing podcast. And what we call this in the business is a simulcast because yeah, <laughs> I'm playing this on my show. She's playing this on her show. So you should you should check out both shows. They're both very good 100%. shows, very different shows. A good use <laughs> of your time to listen to both Pretend and Your Brain on Facts. So Moxie, why are we teaming up today? Like, what are we up to? Oh, I think it could have something to do with the fact that we're both inquisitive people who found a topic that we like. I like educating people about stuff they might not know. You are all about the scan, the scams, the cons, and the criminals. So today we're here to educate people about stuff they may not know about various kinds of cons and scams. Yeah, these are some of our personal favorite cons and scams, and in no particular order either. So I foresee us doing more episodes like this because there's so many different types oh, so of many. cons out there. Yeah, you send me that list. I'm like, wow, we're spoiled for choice. Well, we have plenty of cons to talk about. So why don't we just jump in? You want to go first, Moxie? What, which con really uh, drew your attention? A pig and a poke, which is not only an idiom, but it was a particular uh, type of scam. Now, I should explain, a poke is another name for a bag. So how this scam would work would be somebody on a street corner in a, a city, say picture London, that's fine, will uh, stop a passerby and say, hey, I have this lovely fat piglet. It's the last one of the litter. I just need to get rid of it. It's here in this closed burlap bag. Trust me, it's a great pig. Uh, I'll sell it to you cheap. Give me a you know half half a crown and a farthing. I don't understand the old British money. It's very confusing. Uh, <laughs> and and they'd they'd sweet talk the person. They would make the sale, but sometimes the piglet would turn out to be a bundle of rags or some inanimate object. And that version of the scam didn't work, but so well. Uh, so because right, pigs wiggle, right? Pigs are pigs very very animated and very vocal animals. <laughs> I've chased a pig once in a farm, and, and it's not actually. I chased a pig, and a, and a, like maybe five other grown men chased a pig in a pig pen, and 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 it's impossible <laughs> to catch yeah, a pig. They are not to be trifled with. So back to the pig and the poke. If if you're gonna you know put a pig in a bag, where's the scam? Well, where's the scam part? Well, you're selling someone a pig, but there isn't actually a pig. 
it, they had to up their game when the inanimate object in the bag wasn't working anymore. People do catch on to that eventually. And so they start the favorite thing they would use instead of an actual valuable piglet would be a stray cat. Cities are lousy with stray cats. Now, how a stray cat puts up with this business and doesn't immediately give itself away, I do not know. I own seven or eight of the things, and they would not be tolerant of this activity. But it worked enough times that it was able to cement itself in our language 500, 600 years ago. Uh, the con man would sell you this pig in a poke, and he would skitter away with your hard-earned hard -earned money. You would open the bag, and a screeching stray cat jumps out of it. Which is actually that's where we get the expression. Where right? we get the expression to let the cat out of the bag. Well, and that's what I love about this this episode in particular is that we're talking about these classic scams that may sound really outdated, but there are modern versions of it. And the next one that I'm going to talk about is is a is a scam that is, seems so outdated that it would never make it on on pretend, you know, a show about con artists. It's called salting. Have you ever heard of this salting I've, the I've mind? I've heard of it in terms of like, I've salted a tip jar before, because if you go ahead and put $2 in the tip jar, you'll get tips. When the tip mm. jar is empty, you don't get any tips. So I've, I've salted a tip jar. Is it analogous to that? Yeah, actually, that's a really good analogy. And so back in the day, you know, back in the, the, the gold rush, I guess, you know, people would actually go into a mine and just fill a shotgun full of dust, gold dust, and just shoot it into the walls so that it gives the appearance that this is like a rich ore. This is a, this is a vein. Ready to, yeah, this is just, you're going to make tons of cash. And so people would fall for this all the time. A novice probably wouldn't even know the difference between real gold and, and salting the mine. But how does this relate to today? Well, I was trying to think about it and I'm like Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. That is today's version of salting the mind because investors are and, and scammers are always looking for these opportunities to to salt the mind to get people to buy or create this illusion of this gold mine when there really is none. And especially with cryptocurrency where which is such a concept that is so hard to, to describe. It's this thing everybody's hearing about, but they don't really understand. So it is a very good analogy. And then they they rush right out uh, to do it. You know, and it, and it's funny because it's funny. We laugh about it, but it, there are real people setting up what they call initial coin offerings, which is an ICO, which is how you get introduced to uh, cryptocurrency. And they're fake. They're baloney and people are investing their hard-earned cash and, and losing tons of money. So I guess my tip is, you know what? If you don't understand it, if you don't understand cryptocurrency or Bitcoin and stuff like that, don't invest in something you don't, you don't fully understand, understand yeah. yet. But you should look into it. It is really interesting. And I, I think back, I was at a Halloween party. I want to say like seven years ago, maybe 10 years ago. And we're in this backyard and this guy is telling me about Bitcoin. And I remember getting in the car, driving home and laughing to my wife. I was telling him, Bitcoin, are you kidding? Who the heck would invest in that? And, you know, I probably should have invested back then. But taking my own advice, if you don't understand something, don't, don't do it. it. I mean, Bitcoin mining has the environmental impact of whole countries. I've forgotten which country because uh, 
uh, 10 years ago, I was struck by lightning. So every now and again, the file is 404. I'll go to reach for some information and it's just plain not there. Uh, but no, the, and you're not kidding either. I'm right? not joking really in the were... slightest. No, that's that's why I have the tagline for my voiceover business, lightning fast voiceovers, because I didn't get any superpowers. So I might as well get some branding. And for the listeners, this is our eighth time recording this because uh, she like zaps out. Oh, yeah. Just mid sentence. Just, <laughs> just just glitch out. Yeah. <laughs> It's the- I'm just kidding. No, this is our first try. <laughs> oh. So I guess you're next. What, right. What's our next scam? Next was something that I thought sounded very, very appetizing, like a sweet little candy. Mm. A melon drop. A melon mm, drop. That does sound good. Yeah. Sounds like a drink. It, it, it is actually with the, with Midori. And yeah. it's a very yeah. sweet drink, though. But anyway, this has nothing to do with cocktails and everything to do with bumping into someone on the street. So the way this works is the scammer has an expensive item and they are going to cause or pretend that that their mark has bumped into them and make them drop and smash their expensive item. And hopefully the mark feels sympathetic and guilty enough that they they pay for it or the other person, the con man gets angry enough and says, you've got to pay me back for this. It's called a melon drop because supposedly it originated or it's gotten this moniker from watermelons in japan which are uh, fairly expensive the japanese take their fruits very very uh seriously and they can get very very pricey we we do see this um here in the states uh in new york there have been recorded incidents of this being done with expensive liquor particularly hennessy now, if I bump into you and you drop your drink, I'm going to assume you were already drunk and it's not my fault. But I, what I love about this is that we're learning about these these cons that these are the classics, right? These are the ones that uh, that we, that the great con men base their schemes. And, and remember, being a con artist, there it's a spectrum, right? You could go from the far end, which is like a serial killer who's conning their their victims to you know for whatever bloodlust they have. Or I assumed the high end was going to be Bertie Madoff. You went right to serial killer. Well, That's I think cool. I think he's close to that end. But then uh, then on the other end, you have like the pickpocketer, the classic street scams. And this is kind of what we're talking about today. But one, let's kind of switch gears a little bit because I learned about uh, a, a recent example of this scam this week. And I just thought, well, we have to talk about it, which is the vanity publication and award scam. Now, I mean, obviously, just by by the name alone, you kind of get it. You have you have to pay to get published somewhere or you got to pay to get an award and it makes you look better. So this is this is a classic scam. But what makes it relevant to today is that did you realize that the Golden Globes was not broadcast this year? Did you know about this? Yeah, I heard about that. But because I have so little interest in entertainment awards <laughs> programs, it uh, did not affect my life in any way. But, uh, well, I didn't know either. I heard about them trying to organize it and nobody would turn up. But it was because of some scandal from like last year and nothing to do with COVID, which is why I would not turn up. And if you're not vaccinated, what the hell? Um, so so <laughs> I, I was aware that this was going on. But what's what's the story morning? I was I was not even aware that it was going on because I mean, I'll, I'll watch the Oscars. Actually, I think I watch um, the Golden Globes because that's the one where Ricky Gervais <laughs> yes. is the host. And I just love it. They him. were not. I love him. They just, did not know what they had bought. They had they they got a pig in a poke. They thought they were just going to get a charming Englishman, right. but they actually got Ricky Gervais. 
That was a pig in the poke for sure. But but in this vanity scam and the way it relates to the Golden Globes, I was listening to the Daily Podcast, uh, the New York Times mm-hmm. podcast, and they were talking about how the NBC decided not to air the Golden Globes, and a bunch of actors and agents and and everybody in Hollywood was like boycotting this, and it's because the the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, which is the organization that hosts the Golden Globes, has been mired in, in so much controversy the last couple of years. Um, some of it is because the lack of diversity in the films that actually get nominated. And there were some really obvious snubs. So kind of right? kind of like an that, Oscar that, so white like, thing. Yeah, but worse. Because like in the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, the people who are making this decision, there's not one person of oh, color. Wow. And so, but that that's not the scam. I mean, that sucks, but that's not the scam. The reason why this is a vanity pay-to-play type of scheme is because this has been a little-known secret in Hollywood that the foreign Hollywood Foreign Press Association has been um, accused of taking bribes for people to to get certain nominations for certain movies again. One is shocked. Yeah, and so and it's been accepted and known in Hollywood. But anyways, all right, <laughs> all right. So what? I, be- I believe it's my turn because we're know. talking about vanity uh, vanity awards. Yeah, that's right. This one, the name caught me. The Baltimore stockbroker scam. And when I actually looked at it, I was like, wow, that's a lot of math. And these don't usually rely on so much math, but it's really cool math. So the way that the Baltimore uh, stockbroker scam or psychic sports prediction scam is that the scammer takes a large pool of potential victims. So one half receives the prediction, the stock will go up. The other half receives the opposite prediction. After whatever happens, happens, the scammer then now focuses just on the group that he was correct with, divides it by half again, does the same thing. So after several iterations, everyone who's made it through has a really good impression of this scammer. Oh, he's been right 100% of the time. I got to be honest, I did not read your scams ahead of time because I, I yeah. kind of wanted to be surprised. Um, some of them I knew about, but uh, this one I was completely unaware of, but I don't really fully think Me I understand. Either. So the way I understood it was that a psychic will make a prediction on on the the final result of a game or yeah, a horse race, a a horse stock, race or whatever. Anything, yeah. Right. And you're basically betting on that and he's taking your money, and it doesn't matter whether he's right or wrong, right? Like, but, they, but then you just focus it, on the people you were right with because you can continue to victimize them because you paid out one time. So they they believe you yeah. now. Uh, you've, you've salted that particular mine. And so the people who make it through all these various rounds of scamming, you have them eating out of the palm of your hand because they think, you really know what you're doing. They don't realize. Oh, in a boxing match, in a boxing match, you have a 50-50 chance of getting it yeah. right, you know? And Yeah, and yeah. and so they'll think, wow, you're really an expert because everything you've said has come true. They don't realize they're just 10, the 10 of the 100 who've had a good outcome. And it's it's just the law of averages. But just, just, just that little slice alone is super profitable, right? He doesn't, have to fool everyone. He just has to fool enough people to make a profit, which yeah. is amazing. Yeah, it actually it gets its yeah. name 
um, from a book called uh, Cut and Run, where a stockbroker in Baltimore goes to different bars to predict the outcome of a uh, Baltimore Colts game. This one doesn't have a great deal of supporting evidence in real life. It tends to actually appear in fiction more often. And it could be because of the complexity and the length of time that it requires, because when you're scamming somebody, you are the longer you're doing it, the greater risk of exposure you have. So this could be one that's just not used because it's just not worth the faff. Right, right. Yeah, a lot of these are very opportunistic and short-lived. So so my next scam involves vanity, again, just like my previous scam. And this one, this one, I actually had a conversation with my wife about this one yesterday because she called me asking, she goes, hey, you know, a friend of mine's wants to put her daughter she wants a, a, a talent agent to see if she can make it big in hollywood or on tv and she goes she found this one scam oh sorry i'm already calling it a scam let's call she a found this a one organization yeah she found this one organization that supposedly has a bunch of disney channel actresses that have made it and all that stuff and you have to pay a ridiculous amount to build a portfolio to, to do your first, yeah, to or to, for the training, you have to pay to become part of this talent agency. Well, hey, guess what? I was in the TV business. Talent, real talent agencies never charge their talent not up front because anyway. they make yeah. a cut, not upfront. They get ten percent of whatever the deal they get. So, for instance. Let's say Moxie, I have a talent agency and I, and you become, you know, you're part of my roster now. You get a Disney Channel gig. It's a million dollar deal. I, I get 10% of that. That's how the agent usually makes sense in a legitimate talent agency. And, but you have to be careful of these modeling agencies and these talent agencies that are pro promising you fame and you have to pay for it. Now, I could make an argument that uh, maybe an acting school could charge, and and that's totally yeah. legitimate because you know that's that, a that is a skill thing. that you got to learn. Yeah, but to be represented by a talent agency, you should never ever pay. In fact, there's an FTC warning about it. Real model modeling agencies won't ask you to pay for a test shoot. And but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I remember growing up as a kid, the John Casablancas and all that stuff at the mall, and, and they're preying on people's vanity. But these days, we have YouTube, we have TikTok. If you want to make it big in Hollywood, you know what? Create an amazing TikTok channel with great content, an amazing YouTube channel with great content, an amazing podcast, let's say, about con artists or mm -hmm. facts. <laughs> and then... You know what? By creating great content, you're putting yourself out there. You could possibly, actually, that is the most realistic avenue to Hollywood these days. Not some snake oil yeah. salesman who's promising you. And even if you don't make it big, you know, even if even if your your podcast, your YouTube, your TikTok doesn't get you to Hollywood, hey, you've still built your own little media empire. I I can't tell you how many people I follow where it's like. Wow. Okay. Now he's got five channels and a book and he's hired staff and yeah, it's just, but, but yeah, those, that modeling scam has been around for as long as there has been modeling because 
you know, 25 years ago, one of my younger sisters who was in cheerleading, she got a flyer for one of these and was trying to convince my parents it was legit. And thankfully, uh, we didn't have the money to let her waste on it. But all of these places will promise you, sign up with us, give us this $500, $5,000, and we'll get you work. Sorry, cousin, doesn't happen. Picture this, a foggy evening, the whisper of secrets in the air, and an invitation to step back into the glamorous and mysterious 1920s. That's the backdrop of June's Journey, the game that's been keeping me glued to my phone lately. Instead of doom scrolling on social media, I am actually playing the part of June Parker, a daring detective with a personal mission to solve her sister's murder. And let me tell you, it is a roller coaster of emotions and puzzles. What's to love? Well, first of all, the thrill of hunting for hidden objects. I'm a sucker for these kinds of games. It's kind of like those books that we grew up with, but with a storyline that keeps thickening. Plus, the game takes place in New York to Paris, uncovering clues of scandalous family secrets that make you feel like a real detective. If you're ready for a dose of mystery, romance, and the glamour of the 1920s, June's Journey is waiting for you. Download it for free on iOS and Android, and let's see who cracks the case first. So what's next? Oh, what do you well, got? This one. This one takes things to a whole new level. Psychic surgery. This is something I, I love this psychics. is a, this one's this, not really. This is like a whole <laughs> podcast series all by itself, psychic surgery. And I'm just gonna barely scratch the surface of it. But it is a con in which the con man uses effectively sleight of hand magic to make you believe mm. that they have reached into your gut and removed a cancerous tumor that was causing all of your problems and they might have like a sponge of chicken blood in their other hand and they push on your belly and they squeeze the blood so it looks like there's some blood like pours out of you but it doesn't really hurt and then serious? they've got like this, this is reminding me of like indiana jones where the guy just pulls I am people's wrong. heart out yeah um <laughs> I, I, I would trust him before i trusted these these folks and then they'll pull out like a bit of chicken like like not chicken meat but like chicken awful to be like oh look at this awful tomb this terrible tumor that i took out of you and now you'll be fine um it is more commonly it can be more commonly found in underdeveloped countries where modern medicine is harder to come by and folk medicine right. has a very real and very important part in people's lives can i ask you though like uh, how it actually works so you're saying that the expectation is that they're not actually piercing your skin. They're psychically taking organs and stuff out, like tumors and stuff, but they're not piercing your skin? Or that uh, a lot of times re religion, faith can get wrapped up in this. Uh, faith healers will do psychic surgeries and they'll be like, you know, that, that God's going to guide my hand and you're not going to have any pain and you'll be instantly healed. Because if you, if you believe right. Benny Hinn can slap you on the forehead and, and cure your lumbago, that same person is going to fall for for this as well. Um, it was first identified in yeah. the Philippines in the 1940s and came to be known in the U.S. in 1959 after uh, a publication called Into the Strange Unknown, which referred to it as fourth dimensional surgery, which just sounds like fourth dimensional chess from Star Trek and has less foundation in reality. And, uh, 
a little bonus fact I put in here to share with you. If you've ever wondered why Philippines is spelled with a PH, but Filipino is spelled with an F, it's because Filipino huh. derives from the Spanish name for the islands, which is La Islas Filipinas. Apologies for my accent. Oh, that was actually pretty good. I was well, going to compliment Well, it's a romance you. language. I took French in high school. so. And uh, if you just say it confidently and fast, you could usually just get past it's people. A, yeah. Um, but what? But what about the the pH? Is it uh, they they thought? Well, maybe we need to make the Philippines sound cooler. You know, like I, like I, fast. Okay, you just, <laughs> I snorted because you just dated 18. both of us. <laughs> anyone? <laughs> I feel like anyone younger than my youngest sister is not going to understand that word. <laughs> oh, it's so good when we move past that. I'm no, not cutting it. Keep it. Keep it all. Keep it all. Keep it all. Part um, yeah. But uh, psychic surgery made prominent headlines in the U.S. in the '80s when. Wait, did you? Are you explaining the Philippines? No, no, part? I don't. I don't or have any. I don't have any additional information. <laughs> oh, you no, left I'm sorry. I'm, just, I'm like thinking I'm, that there's. I'm like... just a recording. I have no additional information. <laughs> um, okay, so back, back to, to the psychic, psychic surgery. surgery. So it it gained widespread notoriety in uh, the mid 80s when bizarro wackadoo entertainer andy kaufman you traveled to the philippines for a six-week course of psychic surgery now i don't know how you would do a course of these mm. because he had uh, a rare form of lung cancer large right. cell carcinoma and the practitioner claimed to have removed large tumors from his chest and kaufman declared himself uh, to have been cured and died of renal failure as a consequence of metastatic lung cancer. And that... Or did he? Or did he? Or he did could he? still be Tony Orlando or whatever that guy's name is. I don't know. Tony Clifton. Tony Clifton. Yeah. Yeah. Tony Clifton is walking among us. And maybe the psychic surgery actually worked. <laughs> uh, but Andy Kaufman illustrates the real danger of psychic surgery, which is not depriving people of their money. And this often happens in poor places where these folks do not have money to spare, but it stops them from getting legitimate medical care. It's the same danger as goop and really anything that you would call wellness these days. Is it in your it, opinion? In, in my in my legally defensible opinion. <laughs> according according to my according, according to my lawyer. Don't come according to us. my lawyer, uh that's my opinion. Um but but yeah, that it's cool if you want to steam your vagina and drink apricot juice and whatnot, but also see your doctor, you know. And there was right. one more That's little right. note on this, even a claim of psychic dentistry in the 1970s, a dentist named William Fuller, uh, William Fuller claimed that he could spontaneously fill your teeth. He could even change silver fillings into gold. He could uh, cause new teeth to grow. He could straighten crooked teeth. Obviously, he couldn't do any wow. of this stuff. Uh, All yeah, in his just, mind. And the F, after this guy, the FTC declared, there is no such thing as psychic surgery or psychic dental care. Don't you hate it when they have to officially clear this stuff up? But <laughs> all right, so my next one is interesting because, you know, I used to work in retail when I was in high school and college, really. And my condolences, I worked retail my whole life until two years ago. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? And, you know, my biggest fear was that 
the secret shopper would show up and how would you know if the secret shopper showed up? So I was always on my A game, right? But you know, the the idea of becoming a secret shopper could be pretty I, appealing that, yeah. to some people because yeah, you get paid to go shopping with somebody else's money. I mean, this is yeah. like a real thing. You could really get paid to shop. But some scammers have taken advantage of this and have gone after usually elderly people who who think that they're going to be real secret shoppers, but instead they're just getting scammed. And I want to play you this oh, clip. I spent $200 buying groceries. Vera Cortier thought she was using money from a secret shopper job at Walmart. I didn't realize. I thought it was true. The truth is, she spent nearly $2,000 of her own money. It started when she received a check in the mail and letter with instructions on how to spend it. Go buy three $500 gift cards from Walmart, one for one thirty, and one $14 cashier's check, which I was to make out to the American Cancer Society. Vera followed through with the purchases. When I came home, my husband said, where did you get the money to buy all these groceries? And I said, I'll tell you about it. And so when he did, he said, Vera, that's a scam. <laughs> I said, no, it's not. <laughs> so this lady, the way I understand this scam is that she got a check for $2,000. And in with that check, there were detailed instructions on what to do with that money. So first, before you know, I'm guessing before she cashed a check, she has to buy three $500 gift cards at Walmart and one of them for $130 for some reason. And then a, a fourth card with $14 cashier check that will be made out to the American Cancer Society because, you know, this is not a scam. It, it can't be a if scam. If we're donating money to if cancer. They're donating. That's right. So, and the good news is that she gets to keep the leftover money, which is $350. So all that adds up to $2,000. She goes to Walmart. She does all this stuff. And her husband asks, "What? where did you get all the money for all this stuff? And she realized she, it was a scam. But I guess that the scam here is that those $500 gift cards, she was supposed to turn over those numbers so that the scammers had access to that money. And... Uh, luckily for her, she filed a complaint with Walmart and and with the local authorities, and she was able to recover Good. her money. But this happens. Yeah, I mean, that's like a, that's like a combo scam. Because when I saw this on the list, I thought it was just going to be similar to the modeling scam. Because uh, this is something I would run across a lot uh, when I was a, a, a goat farmer for a living. That you know that natural career progression of goat farmer, burlesque dancer, voiceover. Um, I was always looking for little things I could fit into the day to bring in more income, but I had to be on the on the farm. So mystery shopping looked really good, but so many of the companies I looked into uh, when I wasn't actively working with a company wanted money up front. And if it's a legitimate job, it does not require money up front, whether it's modeling, mystery shopping, anything, at home, customer service, whatever. And then you get the whole sending a check that's too large scam and the whole sending making you buy gift cards scam that that you just have a combo platter on this one. Oh yeah it's a it's a greatest hits type of scam so all right so tell us about our, our last all right scam. for the last round now i've got a lot for this one so go ahead and get comfortable put your feet up on the desk it's going to be a while 
Okay. Okay. So we are talking about something called rainmaking. And this means to uh, to metaphorically or literally, which is what I'm going to focus on, promise to someone a, a beneficial change in their environment or life or, or some great overarching thing that you patently can't and provably don't provide. And it's called rainmaking because there was a, a time in our history when con artists made a good living going around to parched dust bowl towns and or Southern California, um, it also happened a lot there, and promising to make it rain. One of the chief examples of this, then this guy, you've, you're going to love this guy if you don't already know him, uh, Wilhelm Reich, an Austrian psychoanalyst, so not innately qualified for weather modification, um, who claimed that he had created something, he'd found an asset of the universe no one else was aware of called Oregon energy. And he could harness it not only to produce rain on command, but cure basically any disease. Now, that's always another tip for you. If something claims it can cure a wide array of diseases and conditions, or if it can, yeah, or if true. it can cure conflicting things, like if it cures both constipation and diarrhea, it's... <laughs> One or the other, we would have believed, but not both. His rainmaker was called a cloudbuster, and it worked in giant inverted commas uh, by focusing orgon energy at one spot in uh, in the sky, which would supposedly cause the formation of clouds, which would eventually uh, rain. He called this cosmic orgon engineering. He said that that orgon was basically like the force; it was omnipresent. And it was the sort of the life energy of the universe, and but he, only he in the world, could harness it. And in addition to selling his cloudbuster machine, he also had a uh, Oregon collector, which was basically a wardrobe lined with metal that you sat in for extended periods of time, and this metal-lined armoire would collect Oregon energy and infuse it into your body and make you healthy. And uh, you've probably cottoned on that being the theme of the show. It was complete bollocks. And the, uh, the <laughs> FTC went after him on numerous occasions, even going so far as to declare there is no such thing as Oregon energy. But, 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 but you know, we are facing a real threat, which is climate change. I mean, it's a real thing, whether you deny it or not. And I, every time that there is some sort of crisis or emergency, there are going to be scammers oh, waiting to, to, to fix mm -hmm. it, right? And so, you know, but then there's also like legitimate science out there. And, and I hear stories about capturing carbon from the air. I mean, I don't know, that sounds kind of like rain making, but it could be real. I don't know. Or what about um, uh, maybe, ah, oh, crap. I had a couple of examples in my head as it relates to climate change, but I could totally see, you know, somebody taking advantage. Well, what of you need this. to do is you need to capitalize on people's limited knowledge. Yeah. Oh, I remember. 
I remembered. Sorry. Uh, Have you ever heard of like these, uh, this concept of planes flying into hurricanes and like, um, Maybe filling it with is it filling it with sand? I, I should have uh, done research ex- on this. Ordinance has been suggested. Could they disrupt a hurricane by exploding? Right, by exploding right. ordinance. Uh, this idea has been suggested long yeah. before Lord Dampnut thought we could nuke them. Uh, we don't use his name in this household. We use the anagram Lord Dampnut. Uh, but you know who I'm talking about. Um, yes, we, we kind of <laughs> treat him like Voldemort. We don't say his name. Uh, yeah. That's right. But we don't do that. You've got to. You, yeah. The, a really good scam capitalizes on the limited knowledge of people, and it leads them to fill in the gaps because it makes sense as far as they understand. They just don't understand the whole thing. They're like, oh, yeah. No, and right. they kind of convince themselves of the science of it. and They do the work for you. And and that's how things like Oregon and, and different things. Can and it could work. I mean, and if it works, it would be brilliant. Yeah. I mean, I, I would I should have brought up Victor yeah. Lustig, uh, the guy, the man who sold the Eiffel Tower oh. twice and his uh, money printing machines. He's a oh, just a prince among men. Yeah, I've covered I've covered him and the guy who sold the well, actually, the several people who the Brooklyn sold Bridge, the Brooklyn Bridge. Yep. Yes. Because <laughs> it wasn't just one yeah. person. There's always going to be a scammer waiting to solve your problems, waiting to make you rich, waiting. Exactly. To save the and world. when you were talking about the right. gold rush, I was thinking about how many of those people were immigrants who had, you know, bought into what we're still buying into that, uh, you know, the streets are paved with gold. It's the land of opportunity. Just go to America and you get rich, you know, uh, sorry, cousin, doesn't happen. Uh, but it's, it's the people who came to America thinking, I, as soon as I arrive in America, America, I get rich. And somebody says, Hey, you want to buy this bridge and you can charge tolls and get rich. And they will say, absolutely. I would like to buy your bridge. Sounds, I'd be, I'd be stupid not to. I would still love I, I would love to at least own a little bit of the Brooklyn Bridge. You could own a lot in a uh, castle in Scotland. You could own a piece of the moon. Yeah, you Come can on. you can buy a square but foot of land anyway. in the UK that entitles you to a lordship. We could make you Lord Javier, yeah. Javier Leva by the end of the day. Hey, they, they could potentially be sponsors of this show in the future. So I love those guys. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> they have never oppressed me, but I've heard their ads on uh, other podcasts. No, I, just, I would never take that because that's a that's a total scam. But uh, Moxie, so y- the deal was you were going to say five, tell us about five scams. I was going to tell you about five scams, but I kind of want to cheat and end it with one more scam. All right. So one, one more. Okay. Scam. All right. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever heard of the penny whacker scam? No, but I love it. What's this? What do you think? Before I tell you, what what is a penny whacker scam? I mean, I, I just I see like Edwardian men with waxed mustaches because it just it sounds like the kind of word you might hear in a newsreel in World War One. Uh, but I, I haven't I haven't a clue. Uh, I, I'm, let me play you a little clip. You've been Rick Rowe. Well, just to show you that I just to show you that I never break form. Uh, did you know that the most commonly shared video of uh, Rick Astley's "Never Gonna Give You Give You Up" was not on his channel? So he actually only made he's only made twelve or fourteen dollars um, in ad revenue from the Rick Rolling trend. From from people, yeah, Rick it's only, he's only made it fourteen dollars. Wow. But sick. he has been an amazingly good sport. He even Rick rolled the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. He was on, I believe, the Foster's yes. Home for Imaginary Friends float, and he came out of it and and did 
I know. I saw a clip this morning because, you know, everybody, most of you have heard this, people getting Rickrolled. But honestly, I was like, what is the origin of the Rickroll? This is crazy. And it actually has its origins that were kind of dark, actually. Um, It started, um, and I don't, I I don't, I didn't do too much research on this, but it started on 8chan, Uh which is the same platform that it's where the, it's where the devil goes stool. Anyways, on one of these, you know, underground websites like 8chan or 4chan. I can't remember what chan because I never visit these toxic places. They had this thing called duck rolling. And then somebody decided, pulled a prank, you know, on somebody with, with the Rick Ashley song, Never Gonna Give You Up. And it, that's how it became the Rick Roll. And people, like you said, have been using Rick Roll memes to, to prank people. And I just thought it was such a great little scam because it's a, it's the classic, um, a bait and switch. Yeah, it, it was. You know, that's so what a Rick Does that mean is. there isn't actually a, anything called a penny whacker? There is no <sighs> penny whacker. You were oh, Rickrolled. The, the, the <laughs> stunning unsatisfaction of not getting the answer to my question is the worst part. <laughs> but it presents us an opportunity to create a brand new scam that no one has ever heard of. <laughs> that's true. Let's go ahead and trademark <laughs> and that. We, we don't know what we're going to do with it yet, but let's go ahead and get that's the right. trademark on it. But, we're going to make yeah, tons great. of money. That's all we know. Yeah. All right. Well, Moxie, this was so this much amazing. fun. We didn't even, we didn't even Not make even. a dent Not even on close. the types of scams. Yeah. So thank you so much for uh, listening. Uh, for the pretend audience, I can't wait for them to check out your show. And I'm so happy to be and on I've your show. And I've been telling show. the Wyboff audience for years they need to be listening to pretend. So hopefully, hopefully this will, now that yeah. they've heard your dulcet tones, this will really light the fire under them to, uh, to go over and, and listen. And they're very different shows. They have nothing in common. Oh, I think we've got a lot in common. They're very different proves- shows, but... Uh, I think research. But this proves we, that. I think we're we're both yeah, we're both. I'd like to say very good researchers, and that's what I love in a podcast. Yes, and one of us has a very oh, good voice, it's, and it's not me. All so. <laughs> all voices are valid and valuable. I just happen to be that's trying right. to earn a living well, online. That is so cool. Well, hey, thank you, Moxie. This was so much fun. We'll we'll do this again soon, right? Absolutely. You bet we are. Javier, I can't believe it. Everything that needed to be said about cult has been said. I feel so empty inside. Wait a minute, Rebecca. I'm not sure that's true. Have you ever thought about how cults kind of operate like businesses? Yeah, I mean, like businesses, cults operate like a startup, then mature into larger organizations and sometimes become institutions or they go under. What if we explored the business of cults and what happens once the leader dies or leaves? You mean leaves for prison? Yeah, and in some cases, even worse. I like it. Go on. We can expose the leaders as the con artists they are, which, you know, it's kind of my thing. Yes, and we can interview experts on cults to help us understand this analogy, which, you know, is kind of my thing. Exactly, and it allows us to keep investigating cults, which is totally Totally our our thing. thing. Join me, Javier Leva, from The Pretend Podcast. And me, Rebecca Sebastian, from Dialogue Podcast. The Business of Cults drops the week of February 7th on both The Pretend Podcast and Dialogue feeds. I'm so happy the cult conversation isn't over. Creative Babble.